Welcome to the podcast from the Temple. I'm Rabbi Peter Berg. And I'm Rabbi Lauren Filson Lapidus. This episode is brought to you by the Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. And here we are, Lauren, just uh, uh, a few days after um, an election, which uh, of course was um, really divided right down the middle. So it's caused a lot of angst for a lot of people. This is not a political show, so we're not going to get political here at the temple. But um, we have another election in Georgia, which is, you know, it keeps going and going and going and going. I was talking to a rabbi recently who said, you know, wherever you are in the election, just thank God it's over. And I said, not in Georgia, it's not. Not here, no. I mean, it's really, it feels like a blur the last week since election day. I don't think most of us slept. I think we were all watching. We we were all on the news. And now, um, you know, there are things we know that we didn't know last time we were recording this podcast. Um, we have a president-elect and, and there's a lot that's moving forward. But we also are gonna have a runoff for two Senate seats in Georgia, which means that all of the country's focus is going to be on our state. Lucky. Yeah. And one of the things I think, you know, we, we really learned from this election is that the United States of America and, and particularly the state of Georgia are divided smack down the middle. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it's, it is literally an even divide. And, um, uh, and that means we have to learn how to live and to talk to people who hold beliefs that are different from our own. I think that there was a lot that came out of this election. You know, the idea also that polling is not what it used to be. You know, I think that people approach the election with the sense of certainty as to an outcome. And I do wonder um, what we can take from the idea that that we can't necessarily predict um, outcomes of elections. And I think that people aren't really sure what they want to share about what they think and what they believe. And um, I think that we have a lot to learn also because there was this assumption, I think, by many that thought that that there was going to be a wave in the color of their choice and everyone was going to be there and 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 validate their sense of, of morality and right. And then looked around and found out that actually they only had about 50%. Um, yeah, no wave in any direction. It was just divided. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about how in a congregation like ours, um, we know that, that diversity means many things. And one of the, the pieces of diversity is we have um, a diversity of political opinions. And I, I would almost say political priorities um, because yeah. you, know, you can't put everything first in the voting booth. And so each of us has to decide in that priority what we're going to do. And I think we're well positioned to be you know, that, that stereotypical Jewish argument um, where you can have lots of Jews and even more opinions. Yeah. And I, you know, we say not only in our mission and vision, but, you know, all the time that diversity is our greatest strength. That's what makes us unique and special. And when we say we're diverse because our, our membership is diverse, it also means that our, our membership is politically diverse. And I think that's a strength, too, because it allows us to have multiple ideas and opinions, um, you know, in, in our walls. We have... Um you know, social, social justice, tikkun olam, um, it's such a bedrock piece of our congregational values and, and action. 
And so I think it's worth noting that even if we may not have, you know, complete unity of political views, we as a congregation generally are able to unify around some amazing um, acts of tikkun olam. I mean, last week we had Adrian Hamilton Butler talking about the Zabin Parody Center, and I am confident that um, that you have the entire political spectrum supporting our, our shelter for homeless couples. We have a lot of action around supporting Israel. We have a lot of action around certain um, values and work that we believe is important, and that as a congregation, we're able to unify around um, at different times. Absolutely, and you know we should be grateful as we sort of approach this runoff election. There are four candidates, and people are going to scrutinize all of them for different positions and views, but when it comes to um, standing up um, against the horrific anti-Semitism. All four candidates are on record speaking about um, the, the trouble of anti-Semitism. When it comes to the state of Israel, all four have you know, strong public records, um, you know, if you read their words, speaking about the importance of Israel in their lives. And not every state has that. So I think you know, um, there is so much in common that, that is important as well. Last week, uh, and in the weeks leading up to Election Day, you and I and the rest of our team spent a lot of, of time talking about our message for the first Shabbat after Election Day. And yeah. we really, we were focused on the idea of no matter what the outcome, there was going, there were going to be people who were going to be happy and there were people who were going to be sad. Um, actually, as it turned out on Friday night, we still didn't have um, a clear end. Right. So, so everyone was confused. Um, but I think maybe naively, we thought that on Friday night, you know, we'd, we'd come through the Shabbat of unity and, and really send those messages. And then we'd kind of get back to it. And instead, as you said at the beginning, we still are going. So I guess, you know, one of the things we wanted to bring here is kind of where do we go from here? Um, what, what does it look like Jewishly to enter into now another two months of, of what's likely going to be pretty contentious campaigning? Yeah, and of course, factor in the fact that in between um, now and that next election are two major holidays, Thanksgiving <laughs> and, and Hanukkah and, and Christmas for some, of course. And well, you know, what are you supposed to do? I think a lot of people are saying, well, it's COVID, I'm not coming this year. And what they mean is, I, you know, I might be able to go, but I'm certainly not, you know, I don't want to be around people and talk to them. Uh, and, um, you know, the question is, is what do you talk about at the metaphoric uh, Thanksgiving table in this, in this really difficult, how do you talk to people when you have differing opinions and make, make room for them? And our, our tradition is actually instructive here. Mm -hmm. We, I had the occasion to, to talk with a, um, a Christian, uh, like a church study group. And there was a question asked, why do Jews answer questions with questions. Yeah, and I said, because there are no clear answers, you know, and this is embedded even just in the Talmud and the Mishnah and in all of our learning is this idea of it's not one question, one answer, but it's one question, then we should probably make sure that we clarify what that question actually means. And then we could answer it, but then someone's going to say something that might lead us to think about the answer differently. Like that's one of my favorite parts about the Talmud is when someone thinks that they know the answer and then one of their colleagues makes a question um, or, or brings something up that then shifts the conversation into a whole other tangent. Yeah. I mean, the Talmud, you know, the Mishnah starting in the year 200 or so and the Talmud, you know, around, you know, in the year 400-ish of the common era, um, it's really a collection of 
you know, we, before computers, we would say inter-office memos, but now we could say Facebook posts, right? You know, the rabbis are taking turns. One rabbi says, let's go to the movies. Okay, let's see Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, let's see E.T. No, let's see Back to the Future, right? And then sometimes they agree, yes, we're going to see Star Wars. Uh, and sometimes they leave it up in the air. Um, and even when there's a minority, you know, there's a majority and a mi minority because the majority has to win, but the majority minority position is always preserved and it's there because it's important. And sometimes they don't even agree. They just sort of list the, you know, what are we going to, you know, in modern parlance, what movie are we going to see? And they don't, they don't answer. And I think this idea that the, the minority opinion, and, and, I, and of course the Supreme Court gets this from the Talmud, the minority opinion actually matters. It's important, um, even when at some point one side has to win. And I think that's a great um, way to describe where we find ourselves with, with you know, this week after election day is um, there is a, a significant opinion that does not just disappear because they were not the majority. Right. Um, and I think that, that that, to a certain extent, may make some of our next steps, um, may help in the next steps. Because I look at it and I say, well, um, this is really an invitation for conversation. If it had been an extreme one way or another, then I don't know as there would have been the same, um, I don't really know how to say it. Like, I, I, I don't know as people would be talking about, wait a second, we're divided, but we need to try to find bridges. I think it would have been like, well, we're divided, but I'm, I'm moving forward anyway. I don't know if that makes sense. It does, it does. You know, there's a great Midrash, uh, Midrash to the Psalms, and it says um, uh, for every verse of the Torah, there's 49 faces. And they, they use the phrase panim el panim, like face to face, because when you're talking to someone, you have to be doing it face to face. Like we're Zoom to Zoom at least in this time, but not, you know, just yammering off on social media, um, but really talking to someone. And, and you have to hear 49 different reasons. They say in the, in the Midrash, uh, 49 reasons why something is pure and 49 impure, meaning they're, they're arguing about whether, um, you know, certain things are considered to be pure or impure in, 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 categorically. But, but it works for us too. Like what if we actually listened to 49 different opinions and maybe learned from something that we don't always agree with? Surely one side is not always right. There's something we can learn from another side. And I think about, you know, to your question about how, how are people going to manage the holidays that are coming up where they may be interacting with extended family? Um, just as a public service announcement, as a reminder, please be safe if you are traveling or if you are gathering with people outside your household. Um, COVID-19. Not, not recommended, not recommended. Yeah, I mean, it's almost um, ridiculous to think that for a day, I was not actually looking at the number of COVID cases in Georgia. I was looking at vote counts. Um, but we're back to that. And so whether it's on Zoom or in person, you know, we have these holidays and we're interacting with family. Um, how do we kind of hold on to that idea of sacred arguing. And, and within the Talmud and within our tradition is the idea of we, we argue for the sake of heaven, um, that we're not actually arguing to win, but we're arguing to understand. Uh, and, and that's a very different kind of dialogue than, than we usually have in an election season. Yeah. 
I'd love to get and give our listeners one more, uh, Lawrence, suggestion. Here's something really simple and tangible that everybody can do um, when you, you know, we have these sitting at the, di the dining room table or, uh, you know, talking on the phone with family and friends. Um, and it's a principle that the rabbis used when they were doing their sacred arguing. And they, they agreed ahead of time that they would use one word, and the word is teku. And teku means roughly let it stand. And it means like, okay, we've hit a block, an impasse, and we can't get any further. So one of them says teku, and they stop. And they agree to leave the table as friends. They're not gonna get any further in this discussion, or this argument, but it's not gonna jeopardize their relationship. And so what if we, with family and friends, you know, had this agreement that, that, that we could, from time to time, say, take you, like, let, let it stand. And, um, and we're gonna now move on to, to something else. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I, um, as I shared on Friday, you know, I've been thinking a lot about um, the Midrash that says that not all of the Israelites left Egypt. And, you know, one in five or perhaps even more stayed back. Um, and it's just a reminder of there are moments where we think that there's, there's uniformity of opinion. Um, you know, think about the Exodus, like who would have stayed? And, and we learned that actually it was not so simple. And, um, you know, I really think that, that a willingness to, um, to remember that even within a group that stands together comes diversity of opinion, oh. diversity of story. Um, is also, you know, needs that teku, uh, because I, I think that we've heard from a lot of our congregants that um, one party does not entirely speak for them. One candidate does not entirely speak for them. That, that people are really feeling also that it's not just people on the opposite side of the spectrum that are waiting to argue with them, but it could be people kind of next to them on the political spectrum that are waiting to, to jump into that cancel culture. Absolutely. And that's a hard place to be. It is. I mean, a two-party system does it does not help the the notion of, of sacred arguing because pe people get locked into there's only one side and only one way when um, you know that's not always the case. Um, there, there are that's good ideas. We were Israel. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not that a multi-party system is any easier, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if we had three elections? Yeah. I mean, at least at least it's one with with a runoff. But um, you know, I think. We certainly are going to be sending out information through the temple. Uh, Rabbi Medwin, our colleague Lydia Medwin, um, is very involved, as you are, Peter, in um, uh, different kinds of voter protection work. There's going to be so many opportunities to volunteer to help people to vote um, or to volunteer with a particular candidate. And you know, I think it's really exciting to think about record numbers of turnout already and the opportunity to get involved and engaged in, in our, our state and in our local community and uh, making our voices heard is a really exciting opportunity. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we always say we just want, we just want people to exercise their right, right to vote. Whoever it is that you support and choose, you have that obligation. Um, and, um, uh, but we also, today we're hoping, as we did, to take it a step further and talk about um, how we can have conversations and relationships with people that we don't always agree with. And, uh, those are two very important Jewish principles. So as we um, kind of come to a close, um, next week we will have um, a conversation with our cantorial intern, Mike Jarvis, which is gonna be super fun. 
Um, and then we'll be taking the week off of uh, Thanksgiving. So I guess we should take one moment. And I, I would ask this question of you, Peter. What do you think is so Jewish about Thanksgiving? Well, gratitude, right? The word for Thanksgiving, gratitude, is uh, such a central tenant in Jewish tradition. We have a rubric in the prayer service that uh, you know, asks us every time we offer prayer to pause and, and, and think about words of gratitude. So uh, it is a, it, uh, sitting at the Thanksgiving table is as uh, significant a moment um, that we have in our tradition to be able to uh, reflect on the blessings that we have in our lives. And despite the challenges of the world in which we live, um, with, with COVID and with uh, dissension all around us, each of us has blessings that are, are near and dear to us. And Thanksgiving is a time to literally bring them to the table. Beautiful. And I mean, I also think about Thanksgiving can be such a powerful holiday, um, especially for interfaith families. And I guess at some point we should talk about how um, the vice president-elect's family is an interfaith family. I mean, that's the, the Jewish world is already a buzz. Yeah. Um, but Thanksgiving, um, you know, that idea of gratitude, of food, of um, American history, all of that coming together can be a really great way to, um, to have family time, with all, also without having to worry about what's like the exact right thing to do. Um, but instead, just to come together around gratitude and celebration, and um, certainly in COVID-19, it's going to look a little different. I'm trying to figure out how to cook for four <laughs> instead of 14. <laughs> um, but those are good problems to have. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Podcast from the Temple. We are really um, so glad to get um, your feedback. We would love to have a few more questions um, to bring to our next episodes. Um, and again, join us next week for um, a conversation with our new cantoral intern. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to hear about what life is like um, distance learning in, in cantoral school. That's not something either of us had to experience. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> All right. Well, it's another episode of The Podcast from The Temple. Where we inspire lives. And transform our world. <laughs>